There is a snapshot of Kia's life I want you to hear about today. I want you to see what happened to her. She was a freshman at college. She went to the dorm room of a friend of hers, and she noticed something in the corner. She pointed it out, and her friend said something about a bookshelf. Seven words that turned on a light inside Kia about her relationship with her father, about the wound she didn't realize she carried. I want you to hear that story and a whole lot more today as we talk with Kia Stevens about overcoming father wounds. That's our featured resource at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. On our Facebook page, I asked this. I said, in six words or less, describe your relationship with your father. Dozens of responses so far, and most are like these. Respected, loved, selfless, smart, great dad, role model, selfless provider for the family. He is a blessing from God. We are going fishing together very soon. And then sprinkled into the mix are these responses. Troubled, unstable, lacking, alcoholic, mean, terrible, distant, and dependent on my being the one to reach out, disappointing. There is no relationship. We're not talking. I was battered by my father, abandoned, distant, reserved. How do you live with the wound of an abusive dad, a distant dad, a demeaning dad, a silent father? And what does it do to you on the inside? Kia has written a really, really good book. And I've read a lot of books by a lot of people about uh, the father wound, both for men and for women. And I've talked about and, and really, really good books. I think this is one of the, if not the best that I've ever read Uh, And I don't exactly know why. (laughs) I can't put my finger on exactly why, but there's something about this, and it's going to be good. This is a best-of broadcast of Chris Fabry Live. I let you hear the beginning of the program because I really feel like what I said sets up our guest today. Don't call us. Our program is recorded. Kia Stevens, K-I-A Stevens, is the founder of Entrusted Women, which she created to equip Christian women communicators of color. She writes and speaks and alliterates and podcasts, and you can find out more about her at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. But I am excited about this book because it's an example of the wound becoming a strength and an agent of healing rather than holding you back. It's titled Overcoming Father Wounds, Exchanging Your Pain for God's Perfect Love, Kia, welcome to the program. How are you doing today? I'm good, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. Respond to those Facebook mentions. The first are just glowing. You know, he's a blessing from God, selfless, loving, kind, and then troubled, unstable, alcoholic, abusive. What do you say to that? Well, for those who had glowing reviews of their dad, I, I want to just praise God for you and that that was your story. But then for those who have a less than stellar depiction of their father, I want to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, because I know attached to those words are pain and trauma and many, many tears and and discouragement. I also want to say that 
they're not alone. You know, the statistics say that one in four children grow in father absent homes. That does not account for the fathers that were physically present, but emotionally absent or addicted to a substance, um, drug addiction, alcoholism. It, it doesn't account workaholism for fathers. too, right? Work Workaholism. Yep. Thank you for saying that. It, it doesn't account for uh, divorces or or affairs or or just fathers that were aloof, and so I want those listeners and those that commented on Facebook to know that they are not alone, but to also know that there is hope because uh, I myself was one of those statistics. I was the one in four, hmm. but God has done done matchless things in my life, things that I, I, you know, the scripture that says um, he'll do immeasurably more than you could ask, think, or imagine. God has done that in my life, and I am nobody special. God can do it in anyone's life. That comes through in the book and, and in your story, and and yet you are not uh, pie in the sky. You're not promising something that God can't deliver, because I think a lot of people think, well, the the outcome that I want in my life, if I have an abusive father or an absent father, is to spend the day with him fishing. Like one of the one of the responders mm-hmm. said, you know, that we're going to have this uh, big change, this big huge change, and you're going to have this relationship, and you're going to be able to talk on the phone every day. And I hope that happens to you. And I you do too. But that's mm-hmm. not what God promises us in the in the healing and in the journey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and and I think when we have those types of expectations, then the change is now centered on the other person. And if there's anything I've learned in 40-something in years of life is that we can't change people. We can try to manipulate the change and force the change and push a, a, a square peg into a, a, a round hole. It's It's just not going to work. But when we say my change is not contingent upon another person, that I can heal and I can be whole and I can forgive and I can move forward and I can even find a way to love this person, although the love is going to look different depending on the the situation, um, that's where I think the power is. That's where the exchange is happening. But as long as we're sitting on the sidelines waiting for somebody else to change, somebody else to apologize, um, we we really tie God's hands, so to speak, because yes. we, we could be waiting a lifetime. And some people do. Some people yeah. do wait a lifetime. If you are tied to it has to look this way, then look at the, look at the scriptures. You know that's what the disciples thought. That's what the people who were looking for the Messiah in the first century. It's got to be this way, and they missed Jesus. You know, yeah. um, so I want you to unpack this. And and part of the story then is your own journey. And I think in the book you you kind of dance around this, uh, you do, do this kind of uh, response to the question of, so what was your dad like, that yeah. that we get this script or you get, you get a script that you feel comfortable with, you can say and then move on so that you don't have the emotion of that. Talk about that. Well, I really wanted to tell the story from my lens and not spend a whole lot of time talking about my dad did this wrong and he did this wrong and he did this wrong. And so uh, 
I attempted to appeal to the reader from what was going on internally in me at different junctures in my life. You shared one of them in the opening uh, when you talked about me sitting in freshman freshman um, or 18-year-old Kia sitting in um, a freshman dorm room and recognizing this bookshelf was built with my friend and her dad. And that was essentially like the Band-Aid being ripped off. And, and I'm acknowledging for the first time, I'm not okay. I have a wound. I wanted a relationship with my biological father and I did not have one. And, and what you didn't share, Chris, is that after that, I immediately went to the room of someone I considered a mentor at that time, and I just let it all out. And and it wasn't pretty. And and she happened to have had a estranged estranged father in her life, and so she detailed what she did. She she listed out all the events of her life that he missed, and then she invited him into a relationship with her. And and so I figured, oh, I'm going to do the exact same thing. It worked out for her. It, it'll work out for me. And I had this mantra that I can do everything that needs to be done in order to create the relationship that I've longed for. I can do all the calling. I, I heard that in one of the comments um, that I have to do all the initiating. I did all the initiating. I said, when I come home from college, let's go out to eat. Do you want to come over for Christmas dinner, for Thanksgiving dinner, for Easter dinner? I did everything I could possibly do well into adulthood, mind you, well into adulthood before I realized that uh, all of my efforts and all of my all of my trying to make my dad who I wanted him to be and to make this relationship what I wanted it to be was not enough. And that when you engage in a relationship with your father after you haven't been in his life for uh, years, uh, my entire adolescent, mo- mostly my te- definitely all of my teenage years, then there's so much you don't know about your dad. You don't know how he's lived his life. If he lived a life that's contrary to the life you're trying to live, you don't know if he's currently addicted to a substance. You don't know if he fathered another child that he actually raised. You don't know if that family, if he has a family, if they know about you. There's so many things that you don't know. And so in the book, I try to uh, share this journey in bits and pieces, what happened and what I did and then how I responded. And and so it it really does take the reader on on a journey. And the other thing that happens then, because the seven words that I mentioned at the beginning were I made that bookshelf with my dad. That's what your your the person that your friend said is this father envy. There's like, well, I never had a dad do that with me. I never had a dad do that, that, that. And so then you get, you go down that trail and you say all the things that he didn't, that he missed, that he didn't get to receive and that I missed. Um, you, that That's a different trail and, and something that you have to deal with. And grieving is a huge part of this. So we're going to get into that with Kia Stevens today, Overcoming Father Wounds. Exchanging your pain for God's perfect love. If you had a great dad, I'm so glad there's somebody in your life who didn't. And you want I want you to hear more from Kia straight ahead. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. If you have been hurt 
neglected, rejected, or abandoned by your father. It may feel like every aspect of your life is affected by that broken trust, even your relationship with God. But Kia Stevens says there is hope, and we're going to talk about that today. Overcoming Father Wounds is our featured resource. She's written this specifically to women. So I'd love to hear from you today if you resonate with uh, what we're talking about. I'll give you the phone number here in a minute, but I, I just have to sit with Kia a little bit because I've I've gone through the book. I've seen some of the things, these snapshots that she's given, and they're so vibrant. As a matter of fact, Kia, I think that one of the things that may come out of this conversation and reading the book for men is that your wife may be exhibiting some of these woundings, and it's leaking out on you. Uh, that happened in your own marriage, right? Oh, definitely. I, 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 I can vividly remember sitting in the church balcony when the minister, he was doing this fictitious banter. I think it was a singles message. I'm not sure, but he was saying um, a pickup line that a man would use if he wanted to get a woman who uh, had father wounds. So it goes something like this. Hey, you got father wounds? And then the the imaginary woman says, No, I don't. And so then he's like, Well, I'm I'm not interested in you then. I'm looking for a woman that roars into this, comes into this relationship roaring mad and and blames me for everything that she's mad at her dad about. And so that was kind of the opening of the message. And I remember sitting in the balcony thinking, wait, what? What what did he just say? Is is that me? You know, so I was just sitting there dumbfounded, but my husband was right next to me. And I ended up, it ended up stimulating a conversation between us about, you know, do I do this? Do I uh, direct the anger that I have towards my father towards you? So it really opened up a a, a can of worms, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, the, a question that I get a lot, Chris, is why should I unpack, undealt with wounds or or repressed wounds and trauma why should i dredge it up if i'm if i'm the mom that's doing carpool and i'm cooking dinner every night and i'm living life i have a very active and full life excuse me why should i take the time to heal and to deal with these these wounds from the past and the reality is whether we choose to address our father wounds or not, it doesn't mean that those wounds are not still impacting our behavior. Whether we see it or not, it could be impacting our relationships with the opposite sex. It could be impacting how we view ourselves, our self-esteem, our security. It could be impacting how we mother our children. It will. And for you, you were this achiever. You did things and you were act, You were productive. You're doing stuff. You're doing stuff. And you know, you've written a book and you know, <laughs> all these things. So you've had to take a hard look at where do I, where does my identity come from? Does it come from what I achieve and accomplish or is it rooted in who God says I am? Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, 
what is driving my my ambition. I am naturally a, a driven person, but I, I give this quote in the book, there's a difference between being driven because that's your makeup and then being driven because you feel like you have to. That if you're not driven and you're not getting the accolades and you don't have a, another celebration to go to or, or something like that, you don't know who you are. Uh, and so in, in the book, I, I talk about, I had a bunch of counseling, but one of the seasons of my life where I had counseling, I had to begin to look at my thoughts. I had to identify my dominant thoughts. It was a counseling technique known as cognitive behavioral therapy. And, and sometimes the thoughts that we believe in our head are driving, well, often the thoughts we believe in our head are driving our behavior. So if I had a thought that said, um, I have no worth if I don't have an accomplishment attached to my name, I have to take that thought and then pair it with the truth of God's word and evaluate, is that true? Is that true? Because God says in Psalms 139, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So I don't necessarily have to have an accomplishment. I don't have to keep going from thing to thing to thing. I don't have to derive my um, beauty from the attention of, of a man. I'm beautiful because God says I'm beautiful. God says that um, I'm beautiful in his word. And so when we begin to evaluate the thoughts that we're thinking, we can really pair it with scripture and see if it lines up or if it's a lie rooted in um, how we came about deriving our sense of self and our sense of security and our satisfaction and our significance as a result of what we experienced. Your mom and dad uh, divorced when you were a baby, right? Yeah, well, I found out later after I wrote the book and it's gone through all the edits, my mom said, you were actually three. <laughs> <laughs> so I was three when they got a divorce. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. That's, that's <laughs> why you've got to listen to this program because the truth will always come out. Um, so you, as you're going into your, you know, you're growing up years as a little girl, I'm thinking of you at Kia at five, you know, and the birthday cake and your dad's not there and Kia at 10 and singing at the, in school and Kia when she's 12 and 13 and you're becoming a young woman, your dad is not there to tie a bow in your hair and to tell you that you're pretty. Um, so what, what, how did you respond? Even though you you probably couldn't put your finger on it, the, it was, I'm, yeah. I'm acting out because my dad's not here. You, you yeah. can look at, back at it and see, oh, I went this direction, especially with, with boys, yeah. you, because of that wound, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have the language. I did not have the language at all, but I knew my behavior was not good because I, as you mentioned earlier, I was always the achiever, the leader running for something or trying to write a play or direct something. I was doing all of those things, but behind closed doors, I, I had this insatiable need to be in a relationship, always coupled up, always, um, uh, finding someone to affirm me and to validate me and to quote unquote love me, but we know that wasn't love. And um, just found myself in these relationships where I really wasn't valued uh, in the way that I know God would want me to be valued and also found myself 
being physical um, prior to marriage. And so, um, you know, the reality is when a woman is not affirmed by her father, when a woman does not have the dad to teach her what she should experience from a man, a a father is supposed to be a a woman's first introduction into the male gender. He's supposed to prepare her for her unique role as one day girlfriend and fiance and wife. When that father is not there, then the daughter ventures out into the, the world of engaging with the opposite sex. And she has no guidance uh so to speak and and she's kind of fumbling around in the dark she's making mistakes she's she's engaging with men and accepting things that she should not accept because the father's not there to to guide and sometimes the father was in the whole home and he still didn't provide guidance and he was aloof and distant so you know that's that's my story that I, I was, I didn't know then, but I have language to describe it now that some of the neediness that was on the inside of me, some of the longing to be in a relationship was that little Kia looking for the affirmation and the validation and the acceptance and the love and the the trust and, and all of that, that I didn't get from my father looking for it in the arms of of the opposite sex. Little Kia, I like that. The, the the key to this story, and <clears throat> for those who would say then, well, you're just wallowing in your past and you're just uh, dredging up, like you said, a little, dredging up all this stuff, it's not going to help anything. Mm-hmm. If you don't yeah. do the hard work of that, I mean, you've done a lot of hard work in counseling and with you and your husband. And now, you know, as a, as a mom, and you're probably seeing some things as well with your uh, husband's relationship with your kids. You've got to do the hard work, and part of that is grieving, because as a Mm -hmm. Christian, then, you can spiritually spike all of this and say, well, you know, I'm not the person that I would, that I am today without that pain that I've had in my past, and uh, God works all together for good, and I'm just going to keep, I'm going to move forward. And if you don't grieve it, if you don't see it for what it is and see how it has changed you and kind of controlled you and and your actions then you really can't change it you you're just kind of saving it with verses and and I'm not saying don't use the bible you know that's yeah, but but yeah. you can spike the pain in order not to go back there and really deal with it Mhm mhm you know I'm so glad you brought that up Chris because I'm I'm a product of the church I've been in the church my entire life and so I'm well aware of Christian ease I can say it without even thinking you know God is good all the time all the time God is good he'll work it out um I'm blessed and highly favored all of those things and we are all of that we are blessed and highly favored and God will work it out but um I do want to point out you know in John 10:10 10, 10, when God says I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And then the front end of that scripture is the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Part of that stealing is the glossing over and the masking and the denying and the faking and the um, just trying to dress it up and be be the good Christian. Part of part of that stealing is is happening when we don't truly acknowledge what happened to us 
process the pain so that we can experience the type of abundant life that the Lord uh, promised us. In yes. in John 8 and 32, it says, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But if we don't acknowledge truth, how can we ever say, how can we ever acknowledge that we're in, in bondage? You know, how can we know true freedom if we are never honest about the places where we've been bound? The shackles. So, how can you uh, overcome I, when you don't have yeah. anything to overcome? You know, R- you're just. Right, right. That and, makes and an I, awful lot of sense I, to me. That makes yeah, so much I sense understand to me, it. and it is, it is uh, you can tell I'm getting charged up here because there's, what you just said is true. There's freedom here. I want Tom to get in before we take a quick break to, in uh, Pennsylvania. Tom, what did you want to say to Kia? Uh, yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, I just want to encourage you, Kia, because this is a huge issue in the lives of women and men. And uh, I know I've been in denial, and it's not a river in Egypt. Um, and, and, and a lot of people are, are in denial because they've been wounded. And no matter how good our dads are, they, they were human. And um, right. we, we have to face these things. And it, it's not digging things up. It's asking the Holy Spirit, search me, O oh God, yeah. know my heart, try me and know my anxious thoughts. If there's any wounds in the past from parents or anyone else to ask the Lord to bring them up so that we can get them healed and, and, and change the patterns we grew out of it. But this is just huge. And I just want to encourage you, sister. Amen. Amen. And I hope you're being encouraged by Kia Stevens today. If you go to the website, chrisfabrylive.org, you'll see our featured resource. Tom said something on the program right there, right as we were going to a break. He said, this has a big effect on the way I see my heavenly father. And we have to get to that. We'll do it in the next segment. Again, you can find out more about us at the website, chrisfabrylive.org. This is Chris Fabry live on Moody Radio. Thanks a lot for tuning in today. I am not with you live. This is a recorded broadcast that first aired in April of last year. And it's one of the highlights of the last year for me because of how transparent Kia is in the conversation that we had and in her book, Overcoming Father Wounds. We'll get right back to it. She reminds me of a group of people I've been telling you about, the folks at CareNet. What Kia is doing today is just coming alongside us, telling the truth about her experience, and God is using that to free other people. CareNet does the same thing. There's a woman today who has discovered that she is pregnant, and she is scared, and she doesn't know what to do, and she's trying to make this decision. And there may be a man in her life who is pushing her toward abortion. CareNet gives another avenue another path to life, not just pro-life, pro-abundant life. If you want some encouragement in your life today, click the green CareNet button at chrisfabrylive.org. I guarantee you there's something in there that's going to encourage you about what's going on in our culture as, as much toward abortion as it is heading. It's going to encourage you to hang in there. Don't give up. Go to chrisfabrylive.org and click CareNet today. 
chrisfabrylive.org. Overcoming father wounds, exchanging your pain for God's perfect love. So how does a little girl who is told God loves you not see her earthly father, transpose what has gone on with her earthly father onto her heavenly father? Well, it's common to do that. In fact, Chris, I found this quote years ago in the Washington Times that says it's common for people to perceive that God is like their father or the father figures in their lives. And and it's so interesting that that was a secular news outlet that is telling us a, a spiritual truth that we are our biological fathers provide a lens through which we view our heavenly father. And later in life, after I discovered that quote, I also did some additional counseling at my church and they walked us through it a little bit deeper and said, if your father was distant, you might perceive God as distant. Or if he was passive, or if he was a dictator or dominant or abusive, you may uh, knowingly and unknowingly perceive God to be the same way as your biological father. And so I had to literally divorce myself from how my biological father was in my life and um, embrace the attributes that I found in the pages of scripture. Certainly we can we can find verses that are going to tell us that God is righteous and he's holy and he's loving and he's compassionate and he's good and he's he's just. But then we can also see God's attributes uh, as he engages with humanity in the pages of scripture. And so I, I share a lot of stories um, about God and, and how he engages with humanity. But one of my favorite ones, Chris, is, is the woman with the issue of blood. Because this woman was ostracized. She was considered unclean. Anything she touched was unclean. Anyone she touched was unclean. And this woman, who never ever saw Jesus face to face, she never had any type of personal encounter after she had spent all of her money and all of her resources and gone to doctor and doctor and doctor and and still remained unhealed. She just thought, if I could just, just touch him. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I believe I would be made well. And when she did it and got her healing, she could have just um, gone back through the crowd undetected and unseen. But Jesus, this omniscient God who knows all things, says, who touched me? I, you can't make me believe that Jesus didn't already know who <laughs> yeah. touched him. You know, he did that for the benefit of the unnamed woman. He did that because he knew she lived in isolation. She lived alone. She suffered for 12 years. He did that so that he could elevate her existence in front of everybody. And Chris, what he called her was daughter. He used an affectionate term. He used an, an endearing term. He used a term that would probably cause everyone in the audience to gasp. Why do you not know who's touching you, Jesus? Do you not know how unclean she is? And so that is just uh, one example uh, where we can really see the attributes of, of God, our heavenly father on, on grand disp display. Jesus says, if you see me, you've seen the father. We see that he was loving. He was compassionate. He was tender. He was kind. God is kind, you know, so I really had to immerse myself into the truth of the word and truly believe that although God allows things that are bad and painful and difficult to happen in our lives, 
And we don't know always why it could be for um, correction. It could be for his divine purpose. Look at how he's using me to write this book or, or used me to write this book. But it does not negate the fact of who God is. His attributes don't change. They are unchanging. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The other thing about that story is think about what she had received up until that point from everybody, anybody that she came close to. They're moving away, you know? Right. Just like the, right. the lepers experienced this, too. They had to shout unclean, you know, so that people would know. They're moving away from her. And right. and He's she touches, her, yeah. Yes, she and he turns around and is welcoming. You know, it, it's it, she's she's not experienced that. In other words, right. especially from someone in in that culture, you know, and the expectations of you know, I just want to touch him and then move into the crowd. You know, right? Um, right. And her faith in oh, there's so much to talk about there. Okay. Guess what? Catherine is on the line. Now. We, a have, woman. we finally have a female, <laughs> but you guys hang on. I'm going to get to you. I promise. Catherine, you, uh, you're on with Kia. Go right ahead. I didn't want to let the ladies down out here, but I'm calling because I have two daughters who are in their mid to late 30, uh, 20s, and they not only don't have a good relationship with their father because of his harshness and um, volatility um, in their growing up years, but they don't have a respect for God because of that relationship. And aside from giving them their, your book, how can I help them heal? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Catherine. I think the best thing that you can do for them is pray for them. And, and let me say that underneath the umbrella of what my mom did. When my mom, my, my mother, my father, they met on a cruise ship. And um, it, it might sound romantic, but it wasn't. And I tell the story in my book. Um, and, and so it was short lived. They, they weren't prepared to get married. And so when my mom brought me home from the hospital, she tells the story of sitting, kneeling on the, on, on beside the bed and, and kind of presenting me to God and saying, God, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know to, what to do with, with this child that I you know gave that me. Yeah. 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 And and so several years, 40 years later, this child is is sitting on a on a radio program, you know, um, saying what God has done in our life. OK, so I, I'm telling you that as an encouragement, you know, so often in our parenting journey, our kids will face things that we can't solve for them. We cannot fix for them. We want to swoop down and be Superman in the lives of our children, but we can't. But what we can do is touch the heart of God. Uh, and he is sovereign enough and, and omniscient enough to handle it far greater than we would to, to transform hearts. Only God can do that. And so my suggestion would be to start on your knees for your kids uh, and then be a listening ear. If, if they do want to share, I, I would pray for open doors. I would pray for divine intervention. I would pray that they might hear a podcast or see a television show or, or something would happen in their lives that would prick their hearts. But I wouldn't try to do the transforming myself. And I know your heart is so aching and, and gripped by that. And, and let me say this, my mom also carried a little bit of, of guilt, 
uh, you know, because she married my dad, but it was God's plan. It was God's plan for me to have the father that I had, you know, so if you have any guilt, I, I believe God would want you to absolve yourself of guilt. You know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When we know better, we try to do a little bit better, you know, and, and so it is what it is. But but God can still uh, move in the situation. God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine in some of the worst situations. That's where I've seen him do his best work. Catherine, I want you to hang on. Gabby's going to get your information uh, if you give us your address, because I want to send Kia's book to you, Overcoming Father Wounds. But I also want to send you the uh, resource that we're giving to anybody who supports the program this month, because as you talk, as you gave the uh, explanation about what you're going through as a mom, it reminds me so much of what we talked about with Mary DeMuth about how to parent your wayward adult kids with joy. You have this weight on you that is always there and you want your daughters to have that relationship with God. And they don't have that because of what you just described. And here's what she, the title of her book is love, pray, listen. And that's our gift to anybody who gives a a gift to Chris Fabry Live this month. But I want to send it to you. So hang on. Gabby will get your information. And maybe this, these two together, you know, will give you uh, ideas and help with your daughters and what they've been through with their dad and also give you the ability to love them well, to pray for them well, and then to listen to them without any condemnation that you feel and just really be present. So hang on, and we'll hear more from Kia Stevens straight ahead on Moody Radio. Thanks for joining us today for Chris Fabry Live, online at chrisfabrylive.org, where you can support this very program. Yes, we are listener-supported. And we have a great thank you this month for just a few more days, A Life That Matters by Ron Hutchcraft. Do you know what the three open prayer is? This is what Ron says. If there's somebody in your life and you know that they don't have a relationship with Jesus, begin by praying the three open prayer, which is that God might open a door, that God might open his or her heart, and that God would open my mouth. That's from Colossians 4, verses 3 and 4. There is so much encouragement and motivation and a challenge in this book. I think you're going to enjoy it. Give a gift of any size today. We'll send it to you. Go to chrisfabrylive.org, chrisfabrylive.org, or you can give by calling 866-95-FABRY, 866-953-2279. With Kia Stevens, here's Jay in Georgia. Yes, sir. Uh, my dad was a good provider. Uh, when my mom uh, went home to be with the Lord in 2016, she was really the glue. They had four sons, or I've got three brothers. And one son and relationship with dad went downhill. And as a result, they thought we were on each other's side. And as a result... Um, Dad hired a caregiver who lived near that brother, and the caregiver talked him into selling the house 
And so I haven't seen my dad in two and a half years. I've only talked to him over the phone. Mm-hmm. Now he suffers with dementia. Um, he probably has undiagnosed bipolar, probably has hallucinations because he says stuff that, you know, never happened, accuses us of things that never happened. And I don't know his condition now, you know, now that he's starting to have signs of dementia, I don't know that can ever be healed, you know, because I don't know Mm -hmm. of his mental state. Yeah. Um, you know, we can't. What a deep one. And there are other folks who are dealing with, you know, the death of a, a dad and you you can't you can't have any uh, interaction with them at all. Jay, I, I'm really glad you called. What uh, sparks in your heart, Kia? Sure. Well, I'm actually thinking about my own mother because, um, you know, the publisher wanted us to get wanted me to get permission from my dad specifically uh, to write the book, the part of his story that I share. But I wanted to get permission from my mom and my dad. And so I gave the book to my mom and she read it from cover to cover. And she actually worked through all the questions at the end of each chapter. And then there's a forgiveness letter template in chapter, I think it's um, six. And so my mom wrote a forgiveness letter to my grandfather. He's been dead and gone for about really? 20, about 20 years. And so, or, or more, probably more than 20 years actually. And so she got a great deal of healing from going through the exercise and in it, it, it walks you through uh, writing out what you're thankful for, writing out what the offense is, and then writing out how that offense negatively impacted you. And I think that's where there's a lot of power because it gives you an opportunity to list out and enumerate all the ways that you've been wounded and that you've been hurt. Now, the objective of this letter is to say everything that you would not say in person to um, to your father. You you pin it down, and and it's amazing how emotions come out and thoughts come out and feelings come out that we didn't know were lurking inside of our heart. They come out when we put pen to paper, and then the second part of this exercise, the the strategy or the tool that I pair with it is the empty chair technique. It's a counseling technique where you put an empty chair in front of you and then you sit in another chair and you read that letter out loud to the empty chair. And that's what I did. That's what I did. And I got so much healing. And, and so, Jay, what I would say to you is that forgiveness is not dependent on the other person. Forgiveness is not even for the other person. Forgiveness is for you because our bodies were God never designed us to hold on to bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. Uh, and then the other thing that I would say is that uh, forgiveness is not dismissing. It's not denying. It's not justifying. It's not even reconciling with the offender. Forgiveness is simply relinquishing our right to hold that other person responsible for the wrong that they did do to us. And that can take place apart from anything that the person who offended us does. If they don't say, I love you, if they don't say, I'm sorry, if they don't acknowledge wrongdoing, if they don't even see that what they did, you know, was wrong, if they remain aloof and distant and in a bubble, 
we can still know forgiveness. We can still know freedom. We can still know healing. And so I want to just pull a page from Lisa Turkhurst's book, um, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. And she says, forgiveness is two parts. It's both practical. That's the relinquishing of my right to hold that person responsible. But then it's also supernatural. And so then after we have as an act of our will, forgiven, relinquished this person, our right to hold them responsible, then we have to say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, will you please help my mind and help my heart to follow suit? Because our minds really don't forget. And and we have a really good devil. So he's going to reach back into our past and and pull out thoughts and pull out things that have happened to us and 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 re- replay them over and over in our mind. And so we have to rely on the same power that Christ Jesus exerted when he was raised from the from the grave in order to truly forgive. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. And it is possible regardless of what our father chooses to do, whether they're in their right mind or not. And I know that's painful. I know that's painful, Jay. So I don't want you to think I'm glossing over the extreme pain that you're walking through. That is painful. And and you'll probably continue to grieve what he did and the fact that he has dementia. But there is healing is possible. It is possible through Christ Jesus. Jay, thank you. And for the others that are hanging on the line, we're, we're down to the end here. I want to tie a, a, a ribbon around this uh, this hard story, overcoming father wounds. You sat down with your dad, and and there you reveal a lot of stuff in here: alcoholism and and other other things that you know he went through. I think you were at a, a Mexican restaurant, and you read him this stuff. And as he's chomping on the tortillas, he looks at you and he says, "What?" He says, "I, I really owe you and your mother an apology." alcoholism robbed me of my of my life and at that point the beauty was that I didn't have any bitterness I didn't have any anger I didn't have a blank check with the IOU written on it all I had to offer my dad was the same grace that had been afforded to me by Christ Jesus and and that is a miracle and evidence of of God's wonder working power do you think he's proud of this book I I think he is. I think, uh, you know, he when I had my book release, I asked him if he wanted to come and he did. He wasn't able to get off from work, um, but he was going to come. And I said, well, you know, Dad, you know what the book is about. He was like, oh, that's okay, That's okay." So I I think he is proud. Yeah. And I think your heavenly father is, too. You know, that's and that's the real the power of this whole thing. And I I hope as you've listened here today, you've caught a little bit of that power, overcoming father wounds, exchanging your pain for God's perfect love by Kia Stevens. It's our featured resource today. Just uh, click through today's program. Kia, real pleasure to to meet you. You keep uh, living and and momming and podcasting (laughs) and doing all you do, okay? Thank you so much, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Chris Faber Live's production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.